Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. The scripture today comes from 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter. I'm going to be reading beginning at verse 6 and reading through verse 18. As we come to these words, let us first join together in prayer. Gracious God, because you are God, it is your word and your word alone that is life for us. And because you are gracious, we trust yet again you will speak to us. Through these ancient words of the church, through which we have been gifted this opportunity to hear your living word, speak to us, O God. We are here. We are listening. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Let's listen now for God's word for us, 2 Timothy 4, beginning with the sixth verse. As for me, I am already being poured out as a libation. And the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. From now on, there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not only to me, but to all who have longed for his appearing. Do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, in love with this present world, had deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful in my ministry. And I have sent Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, Bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, and also the books, and above all, the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will pay him back for his deeds. You also must be aware of him, for he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but all deserted me. May it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood by me and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed to all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and save me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. So, I have always loved this passage, but in recent years I have been drawn to it again and again like waves to the shore. Paul is in prison, and as he says, the time of his departure from this world has come. He's in the middle of the storm, that's for sure. 
It's not only prison, but Alexander, whoever he is, has done Paul great harm. But not only that, many who Paul thought he could depend on in his time of trial, they have deserted him. You hear the loneliness as he says, in my first defense, no one stood up to support me. This courageous apostle who has faced beatings and jailings and shipwreck and storm, he's at the end of his rope. It's almost overwhelming him. He's struggling to hold on. This is Paul's year 2020. But he also sees a situation with 2020 vision. He does. And not only is he able to, to narrate everything that has gone wrong, but, but like picking photos off the wall of his mind, he lifts up the people in his, lives who are, in his life who are a source of strength and inspiration. He says, Luke is with me. And you know how kind he is. And Timothy, when you come, bring Mark. There's a sweetness in that. Uh, there was a time when Mark and Paul were estranged from one another. And we don't know the details of their reconciliation, but clearly it happened, for he says, bring Mark. He is so good for my soul. And the ministry continues, Timothy, do, do you know our friend Tychicus? Right now he is preaching in Ephesus. But more than anything, Timothy, more than anything, what I need, what I want the most is to see you one more time, my friend. Do your best to come before winter. If I understand the text, what Paul is doing, what he's practicing, is he's looking for the angels. I've said this to you before. Maybe you remember the Greek word that is translated angel. In Greek, it is angelos. And angelos literally means just a messenger. An angel is a holy messenger, one who brings a word of grace. And Paul names the angels in his life. Luke is here. Get Mark. Pray for Tychicus and his ministry. And Timothy, goodness knows, you're my angel, my holy messenger. Do your best to come before winter. So I wonder, did you see him this year? I bet you did. In the midst of this tragic and exhausting year, there were angels all around us. I remember back in the spring, March and April, when everybody was, was walking when we could and living the reverse of the parable of the Good Samaritan, uh, the, the good and kind thing to do when we encountered someone was actually to pass by on the other side. I remember in those early days, people started putting teddy bears and other stuffed animals in their windows so that children who might be walking in the neighborhood could see the teddy bears in the windows. It was sort of a stuffed animal Easter egg hunt. It was the work of angels. And children, 
They've been chalking words of encouragement on sidewalks, not just hopscotch anymore. No, I remember just down the street from me, there was what had to be third grade writing was chalked out, trust in the Lord, do not be afraid. They were angels. In those early days when I was still returning from the grocery store and wiping down the milk carton and the can of black beans, I remember being in the grocery store checkout line and her name tag said her name was Dorothy. I could only see her eyes over her mask, but that was enough. Her eyes betrayed her anxiety. I read her name tag and I said, Dorothy, I thank you for being here. I know it's an anxious thing to do. And she said, it's all right. We know that you need to eat. She was an angel. The doctors and nurses, they're all angels. They live in a state of exhaustion, fighting against increasing odds to keep themselves healthy while they're trying to heal the sickest of us. But not just them. It's the folks in the cafeteria who are preparing the meals for the sick and the folks in environmental services who are making sure that the rooms are sterile and clean. They're all angels. But not just them. It's the scientists who've raced the clock to create a vaccine and the thousands of volunteers, like my friend Kay, a member of this congregation, who rolled up her sleeve to be a participant in one of the trials for the vaccine that is being used now. All of them angels and teachers who learned to teach geometry class and music class on Zoom and parents who learned to become geometry teachers and music teachers and who began to recognize quarantine could sometimes be a gift and sometimes feel like a prison sentence. Angels, all of them. I read about Sean, African-American young adult who said after the murder of Ahmed Aubrey and George Floyd, he found himself afraid to walk his dog in his own neighborhood, mixed-race neighborhood, Sean's neighbors found out about it, and they organized, and they all showed up, black and brown and white. Those who had dogs brought them, and those who didn't, they just came, and they said, Sean, we're your neighbors. We're going to walk with you. You don't have to be afraid anymore. They're angels. You've been angels, too. You've passed the peace to one another. You've made phone calls to check in on the lonely. You have, you have volunteered in our food pantries. You've taught the littlest among us. You've sewed masks for essential workers, all signs of God's grace alive in this world. I could go on because my list is long, and I know you have a list too. I think what Paul modeled for us so long ago it's what Reverend Fred Rogers used to exhort us. Look for the helpers. Look for the helpers. They are the angels. But Paul teaches us more than that. Because if, if I understand it, what we learn from Paul is that once he sees these angels, he's stronger. You hear it, he said, at my first defense, no one came to my support. 
But, he says, the Lord stood by me and gave me strength so that I was rescued from the lion's mouth. In these few verses, we hear both his loneliness, but we also hear his strength. If I understand this text, what we see here is as Paul focuses on the angels in his life, he's able to muster the courage to face even the most ultimate threats that this world can hurl at him. It has taken you tremendous courage to walk through this dangerous, threatening, exhausting year. And I imagine, if you're honest about it, you've discovered you were stronger than you thought. I imagine you've discovered that the grace of God is more reliable than you knew, that the Spirit of God is closer to you than you realized. Oh, there may have been times when your heart was so heavy, your spirit so weighed down that you thought, forget it, I cannot do this. But then you did. And that's no small thing. You know, it seems to me, see if this checks out with you. It seems to me that the kind of courage that it takes to face the battle of the day, that kind of courage, it never comes ahead of schedule. It's never given to us in advance. We can't collect that kind of courage and place it in a reservoir that we can tap on when we need it. No, that kind of courage only shows up in the time of testing, and it's at that moment that we discover both how strong we are and the source of our strength. So uh, I want to tell you today a story from my own life. It's not a 2020 story, and it's, and it's not this story in my life that matters. I'm telling this because you have a story like this in your own life, and I want you to think about that story in your own life. For me, it's 1989. I was newly married. I was in school in Connecticut. And in, the middle of our, in the middle of the night, our phone rang. As I wiped sleep from my eyes, I listened to a surgeon from South Carolina who asked me for permission to do brain surgery on my mother, who had been discovered earlier in the evening to have suffered a stroke. She was 54 years old. That night changed her. That afternoon, she had been an amazing musician. She had been a pastor with a compassionate heart and a gift for teaching. She was a woman who laughed quickly. She's also a woman who was just kind of an average cook and only did it when it was absolutely essential. But all of that was taken from her that night, and it left her with a fragile body and vocabulary that would be forever elusive. And what it took me a while to realize is that the one who had raised me now depended on me for everything. I wasn't yet 30 years old and already needed 
to take care of my mother. And for the next 24 years, she would be in our house or certainly in our zip code until about seven years ago when she made that same arrangement with my sister. God bless her. Now, some of you have walked this exact walk. And you know, there's something that feels almost inappropriate to be caring for the one who cared for you at such an early age. And it was hard. But I discovered that being afraid and overwhelmed is not a sign that God has gone away. Oh, oh there, were, there were times when I thought I didn't have whatever was required to be a father of toddlers and also a caregiver for a parent, but I was wrong. I just never had needed that strength before, but when I did need it, it kind of miraculously showed up. Not all the time, and sometimes I was scared, but it came. And when I thought I might not be able to make it, there were angels. Many of them, the members of Fourth Presbyterian Church in Greenville, South Carolina, where my mother had been a pastor there for only 15 months. But those saints refused to let go of her and of us. They brought us meals and care and prayers. They didn't stop caring. They were holy messengers, emissaries of God. And it was they who gave us courage. I, I just tell you that because you have a story of being in the storm. And maybe... Maybe think about that. And think about the angels that came to you. They were there. Think about the angels that came to you. We all have stories of how life has tested us, broken our hearts, pushed us to outer darkness where light seems dead and hope yet unborn had died. And God seemed to have misplaced us. But there, in that barren place, like Caesar's prison, Angels of ordinary kindness and holy words come as instruments of grace. I imagine this year has shown you that you are stronger than you thought. And if you are paying attention, you know the source of that strength. For by the grace of God, you are stronger than you thought. 2020 has been and 2021 continues to be a hard walk, but you've walked it. And that's something. You're stronger than you thought. And angels are everywhere. Just look. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.